You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 266, the second of three volumes in that number, entitled Esoteric Lessons, the years from 1910 to 1912, translated by James Hines. This is Part 6, which covers pages 228 to 269. Esoteric Lesson, given in Munich on November 19, 1911. Manuscript from Matilda Scholl and Barbara Wolf. Today we want to make clear about how one in esoteric life should answer questions that are brought to one. For example, if the question is posed, quote, What is the heart? Close quote, the answer is, quote, It is the cause of the blood's circulation in the human organism. Close quote, is an answer an esotericist should never give. An esotericist should never give something physical as the cause of anything. Everything physical, all of our organs, indeed the entire human being, are only symbols for something spiritual, for what the higher hierarchies have created. The spirits of movement have already worked on our blood circulation on Old Sun. The spirits of form then descended and stamped a form and a sign on all that had been created. Thus the heart is only a sign for work the higher hierarchies have done in us. All that surrounds us is Maya, and the good gods have created this world of Maya for us, like a blossom from the world of truthfulness, so to speak, so that human beings can be developed so the I, capital, self, can be enkindled and permeate this world in order to get back to the world of the truth. In our present condition, we absolutely need this world of Maya. The words of Goethe are to be understood in this way, quote, For why else, in the end, is this beautiful world, this canopy of stars here, if not to form and teach the human being? This is the apparently naive expression of the fact that the world as we perceive it with our physical senses really exists only for us in this form. For in reality, seen from the word of truthfulness, everything appears differently with the spiritual causes behind. The world of Maya does not exist for the lower kingdoms of nature, from the mineral and plant kingdoms, to the cold-blooded animals. It exists beginning only with the warm-blooded animals. However, because these animals do not have an eye, a self, that could be enkindled within them, they make the impression on a clairvoyant that they have been brought into an evolutionary condition that is not fit for them, and this has the effect of a bad mood. Especially the apes the animals most similar to human beings, create a feeling of grotesqueness. Now, esotericists want to 
struggle out of the world of Maya through their meditations. This is an intention of which we should become increasingly conscious. Esotericists seek to connect themselves with the world of truthfulness. They can do this only with the meditations from the spiritual world, which are given by those beings who support the work of the higher hierarchies, the masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings. And they have given us, for example, a concentration exercise that enables us to work with them on evolution. If esotericists concentrate their thoughts on the heart, that is, on the place within which they feel their own hearts, they will notice that their thoughts do not remain with the object of concentration, the heart, but rather that their thoughts pour forth, ray out from that place. It often requires hours and many attempts before they feel this. Then they will see something like a shining star arising, whose center is a figure, a form, an archetype for which the heart is the sign. And the lines and rays of the star will begin to sound forth, and the sounds will be formed into words, into the primal words that created the heart out of the world of truthfulness. And the words found in translation, in the words of the prayer to the spirit of Sunday, quote, Great all-encompassing spirit, from your life many archetypes came forth, close quote. The rays shooting out from the star are always the words, You were, while the lines between the rays are the other words. Thus esotericists, through proper earnest practice, arrive at such an experience. Their meditations, when done intensely enough, many do not do that, allow them to penetrate into the world of truthfulness. Then, in that world, they can feel very good and happy, or they can feel rejected, depending upon what they bring with them. Rejection causes them to feel pain and to suffer because of the nature of things. For in this world, the good gods can only allow what belongs there. All else will be rejected. Esotericists often have character traits that they themselves do not bring into clear consciousness, which, however, work back on them, and which are then brought to the esotericists through certain symptoms. If esotericists do their meditations diligently and properly, and it happens to them that, for example, they awaken in the middle of the night with a feeling of hot fever, they can oppose it by creating a chill from the soul. Then they clearly feel that they are not alone, that through their esoteric striving they have awakened a doppelganger, a double. What does the double want, and who is it? The good gods have assigned certain Luciferic beings to exclude from their world the human character traits that do not belong there. One such being is Samael, who jumps into action if an esotericist has not overcome a certain untruthfulness from which we all suffer. So often it sits in our unconscious so deeply that without more wakefulness we have no suspicion of it. 
For example, a woman can decide that she will travel to a theosophical gathering in a city because such a gathering is informative and good for her. In reality, however, she has entirely different purposes in that city, intending perhaps to meet there some other person, but does not even admit this actual reason to herself. This is perhaps a crass example, but it serves to illustrate many. Here Samael must intervene with his activity. And we notice him through the heat of fever that befalls us at night, as long as we are afflicted by this error. Another error, difficult to recognize, is the following. We often think that enthusiasm is driving us into the spiritual worlds, whereas we would only like to wallow in the pleasure of the feeling that is enkindled in us when we concern ourselves with such matters. If we do our exercises properly and want to penetrate into the spiritual world, we can experience that we get a feeling like a nightmare, as if we were being strangled around the throat. And, here too, it is again a luciferic being who causes it, Azazel. He prevents us from entering the spiritual world until we have set this fault aside. If we carry out our daily tasks in a lazy, inattentive and careless fashion, then one day, perhaps upon awakening, we will have a feeling of drowning, as if the air were cut off from us and we were dissolving away. He who causes this is called Azael. The attention that we should pay to the world surrounding us is of far greater importance than many think. It is a great help in penetrating into the spiritual worlds if we carry out our exercises with true joy. For with every event, every encounter, we should think of the spiritual causes behind them. What we leave undone, spiritual beings must do on our behalf, for the work must be done. Just how inattentively we often do our work, I will illustrate for you with this example. In a school, new regulations for instruction were to be introduced, and all teachers were subject to an examination. The very humane school inspector thought to himself that he would not test the old teachers now, who had finished teachers' college so long ago, on subjects taught there. They wouldn't remember any longer what was taught there. Instead, he would test them on what they teach every day. And the result was that many of these teachers did not know what they had taught their students more than twenty times. So little had they been present while teaching. Similar to these teachers, we often are not present with our thoughts while thinking. And the one whose job it is to compensate for this is called in the language of occultism Azael. These three points are straightforward examples of misconduct. Additionally, as a fourth, we have a character trait that we must also set aside. This is, quote, getting out of the way of karma, close quote, instead of courageously approaching it. If we penetrate into the world of truthfulness with this attitude, mornings on awakening, we will have a feeling of being bound, as if we were returning to a prison, and additionally will experience pain over the entire body. This is caused by Mehazael. 
Esotericists must, of course, also bear the consequences of their errors, of their misconduct. But these are expressed in esotericists differently than in others, for example in bodily illness. And it does not occur to them how they could have attracted something like this. Esotericists should gradually acquire the ability to, quote, call everything into consciousness, close quote, and esoteric schools can help them to do this. What we can perceive of this with our senses is, of course, only a tiny fragment, a weak external sign. Just as everything physical, even sensations we perceive, are only symbols for the realities, so too the esoteric school, as it appears on the physical plane, is only a symbol for what it is in the spiritual world. When such a school is formed, it is usually the case that a human being is spiritually deepened and, for example, has the experience described from the heart through concentration. The experience is shaped in this individual into a formula, which he or she then gives further to a number of students, through which they are again set in touch with spiritual truthfulness. This is also expressed in the concluding prayer, what, as the creative power, is active in the spirit. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson, given in Berlin on December 16, 1911. Record A, manuscript notes from Teresa Walter. Record B, hand notes from Louis Glasson. Record C, hand notes from Alice Kinkel. Record D, stenography from Franz Seiler. Record A. In our meditations, we will soon notice that something opposes us as a hindering force. We must thoroughly acquaint ourselves with this force and recognize that it is related to the destructive power of the entire earth. The earth is in the grip of a destructive process. Orthodox science, too, recognizes the destructive process and the new forms on the surface of the earth as the product of the destructive forces. Since the middle of Atlantean times, and already prepared even earlier, these destructive forces have been increasing through what the human being has created as karma. It is karma that strengthens the destructive forces of the earth, which the earth has already created. Uncompensated karma is what strengthens the destructive forces of the earth, and the earth has already become a physical corpse that would have had to fall into separateness, entirely out of the evolutionary plan for the earth, had it not been for a strong intervening power force. Everything involved with earth evolution is permeated by these destructive powers, which are the luciferic beings that remained behind on the old moon. There was one who, out of his cosmic wisdom, recognized this and remained even further behind during moon evolution. Parenthesis actually already on the sun, but we are speaking now of the moon. Close parenthesis. In order to bring something virginal to earth evolution. Something that has not been taken hold of by the powers of destruction. Until the middle of Atlantean times, up-building forces were at work. The human being saw them working behind Maya. 
through their uncompensated karma. Human beings increasingly strengthen the load of destructive powers, so that by the time of the mystery of Golgotha on April 3rd, 33 AD, the balance beam of the scales was horizontal, and then the mystery of Golgotha was placed in the other balance pan. Christ united with the earth, so that every human being can find him in the depths of his or her soul. Human beings had to drown in the maya that surrounded them. Then Christ united himself with the evolution of the earth, so that the human being can find him again behind the maya. We know why this maya was woven by the gods, so that human beings would not have to live in a world chained to the glory of the world of truthfulness, but rather they could turn to it in freedom. We know what our conditions of waking and sleeping are. In ancient times, human beings in the moment of waking saw the divine beings through the veil of Maya. By the time of the mystery of Golgotha, however, all they could still see were the demons. Then the gate closed entirely, and the human being had to drown in Maya. In ancient times, the cloak, the power of Elijah, had to be given to Elias so that he could separate the Jordan River to cross it without danger. The predecessor of Christ, John, immersed the people in the Jordan. The human being had to go through the water, but a substance was given with which to make a bridge in order to cross it, instead of drowning in it. Christ gives himself as this material. Now it is possible for us to see a hindrance to our freedom in the fact that we must attach ourselves to this victorious power of Christ. But Christ leaves us so free with respect to the acceptance of his being that he does not allow himself to be found with anything earthly, not even with the intellect or reason because these exert a compelling force on human beings. For intellect and reason are permeated by the forces of Lucifer. Before these interfered, Christ stayed behind, and therefore is discovered by human beings in the mystical ground of their being. Previous religions were an expression of their contemporary state of science, Christianity is burdened by the fact that nothing connects it with external science. Today it is discoverable only in inner experience, but in times to come it will go beyond everything externally knowable. It has often been pointed out that the revelation of Christ will occur in times soon to come. Surrounded by Maya, wherever we look, Something truthful sounds forth from within us, the strong longing that lives in every human soul, for we are born out of God. And we will not drown in further Maya, because we die in Christ. The separateness that kills ends in the selfhood of God. And we will rise up whole, powerful, and free. We will resurrect out of the Holy Spirit. There is so much contained in these words to which you should open yourselves in meditation. You have many more decades of work 
with this content than the rest of this incarnation encompasses. Take these facts into your souls. Exclude the swell of Maya and they will become living forces within you. The end of Record A. Record B. When we place the content of our meditation in the center of our consciousness, we feel forces intruding that create a hindrance, so that we are unable to entirely devote ourselves to our meditation. When we clearly recognize these forces that we encounter in our souls, we see that they are destructive. They are the same destructive forces that are, at, that are at work in the earth, and they brought it about that our earth was destined for a decline and fall that would have cut it off from the cosmos. These destructive forces began in the middle of Atlantis, and by the time of the mystery of Golgotha had reached the point that they just balanced out the upbuilding forces. Indeed, this was the case on April 3rd, year 33 of the Common Era, or 14 Nisan of the Contemporary Era. The Christ brought a new power to the earth and humanity, which worked against these destructive forces. In order to be able to bring this power, the Christ being had to remain behind in the earlier age of the moon evolution, when the earth showed a condition still virginal, this was even before the Luciferic beings remained behind to work against evolution. We must connect ourselves with this power of Christ, which slumbers in every soul. It frees us from the destructive forces that our karma has implanted in us in the course of our incarnations, forces in which we would drown as if in a deep river. We must pass through this river of existence before the event of Golgotha it was the ancient gods of other religions who offered human souls a wagon or a ship in order to get across. Now, to build a bridge across, we must take hold of the power that Christ offers us. Elias experienced it when Elijah left him his cloak in order to cross. Now things are different. When ancient peoples observed external Maya upon awakening, they found the spiritual world by looking through it. We do not find the divine anywhere in external maya. It is a corpse. Yet in our souls a longing then arises, and this is the divine in us that shows us the path into the spiritual world. Not outwardly, as Zarathustra still could, do we find Christ. In ancient times religion and science were still united, but the intellect today cannot find Christ. Until now Christ could be found only through faith. Only new soul forces can restore the union again. The end of Record B. Record C. Esotericism tells us that April 3rd in the year 33 was the Friday on which the mystery of Golgotha took place. We can notice within ourselves, if we earnestly immerse ourselves in our meditations, that opposing forces appear from all sides out of our souls. They surround us and gradually become a very unusual opposing image. What are these forces? They are the karma that we have created ourselves in the course of time. We will learn to know that these forces in us are related. 
closely related to cosmic forces in the universe, that these are the same forces in us, in human beings, that are the destructive forces of the planets outside of us. And if these were the only forces at work, then the earth as planet would fall out of the entire evolution of the world and become desolate. As much as we manage to connect ourselves with forces coming from the other side, with the forces of Christ, to that extent we create within ourselves, and for the earth, forces of ascent. Christ is united with the earth since the mystery of Golgotha. However, this mystery was prepared for a long time before. Actually, it should have happened in the middle of Atlantean times. Now, if we decide with the help of Christ, but in freedom, to enter the path, then we will recognize that we are serving humanity and ourselves. As a picture for this path, it is said that one has the experience of water and one should cross over on a bridge to be used for this purpose. It is the guardian of karma who appears in the picture of water, the karma created by our own selves, which we are to walk over. We will soon recognize that it is intimately connected with all of humanity and that we are to improve it. If we do this, then it benefits all of humanity. The human being must learn to rise up into the cosmos. The end of Record C. Record D. Number one, concerning the two forces that are at work in humanity, one part which is destined for decline and fall, the other part which can still be raised up to life. Number two, concerning the forces that have come into our life forces and have ruined them. Number three, concerning the decline and fall that threaten these beings and forces. Number four, concerning the baptism in the Jordan, the total immersion. Number five, concerning the life that can find a place in us through the submersion of the human being. Number six, concerning the human being raised up again out of the state of being swallowed by the forces that are devoted to death. Number seven, the forces of a destructive kind are in the human being and have the upper hand. Number eight, how the forces of life were implanted into these destructive forces, the entry of Christ, who had saved up forces from the time on the sun. Number nine, concerning the expulsion of the earth, of matter, that had to be expelled from the system of life as unfruitful. Number ten, what does it mean that the human being had to be imprinted by Christ? Number eleven, concerning the overcoming of death, the transformation of matter into spirit. Number twelve, how evil is enclosed in the human body and works there destructively. Number 13, how the human being is chained to evil, but the bridge is built from Christ over the river, the Jordan, in order to escape from the same. Number 14, concerning the baptism of Christ and the disciples, how through complete immersion in the water the disciples were brought to a state of fright and amazement in order to work into the body. Number 15, how the entire cosmos works into Christ. He is one with the Father, 
and thereby again creates a relationship to what is alive. Number 16. The connection of this living substance that works into Christ with the earth was made possible through the death of Christ Jesus. Number 17. This occurred on April 3rd on 14 Nisan. In this moment, the life of the cosmos united again with the earth. That is the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Hanover, December 31st, 1911. Record A, notes from the collection of Elizabeth Freda. Record B, manuscript from Matilda Scholl and Camilla Bondry. Record C, notes from Gunther Wagner. Record A. To begin with, today we want to ask what result we have attained through our esoteric study of theosophy. The answer will be, at least theoretically, that we have become conscious of the fact that the entire world and we ourselves at least our physical bodies, are maya, illusion. We assume this, at least theoretically, and it remains for us more or less an hypothesis. However, when we begin with an esoteric training, this mere hypothesis should increasingly become the truth. It should penetrate deeply into our consciousness that we actually have no firm ground at all in which we can root ourselves that we are merely living on the surface of reflecting waves of foam of the ocean of life, that we never dip into the true sea of reality, that we are constantly a plaything of deception. And everyone who wants to walk the path of the esotericist must arrive at this insight. And a certain experience will come to most on this path, a feeling of despair, of abandonment, of fear. This is a fear such as one knows if one stands on the edge of a mountain and becomes aware of a deep abyss below. Despair, abandonment will surround the esotericist, because every fall that one believed one experienced previously in life will become as maya, as an illusion. God will appear to have been torn away, because one sees all of creation as something false. An illusion. Indeed, this insight can bring a person to atheism. Why must we walk this path? Why must we look deeply into the world of illusion with full consciousness? Why, we ask ourselves, have the gods placed us in this unreal world? They could have presented us directly with true reality instead of this trifling play on the waves of life's surfaces. Later we will understand that it is wise and good that the world is maya, illusion. If everything were true reality, we ourselves would no longer seek after truth, after perfection. We would be unable to develop any abilities. And since there would be nothing that is not right, there could be no vice. We could not develop any virtues in ourselves. We could not develop ourselves freely at all. Because we would always be living in the working and wielding of God, we would never have the opportunity to seek true knowledge out of ourselves, out of our own freedom. We would not have the opportunity to immerse ourselves in the depths of reality. We would cease to seek God. 
Seeking God has a deep biblical significance that can only be understood esoterically. At the end of the sixth day of creation, we read in Genesis, quote, and God rested on the seventh day, close quote. God was active during Saturn, Sun, and Moon stages of evolution. He rested on the seventh day, after the world had been created. Then God was nowhere to be found, even to the horizon of our Earth evolution. Then He was invisible, and this has a deep significance. The truly divine lies hidden behind the visible creation. This is a great truth that as esotericists we must seek behind the appearances presented to us by our senses. Because the world is illusion, it gives us an opportunity to develop the I or self through all false appearances, so that we ourselves can find reality, find God himself. And what is the path that esoteric training shows us? What are the means that it gives us so that we can come to knowledge of higher worlds more quickly than the man or woman on the street. It gives us certain exercises, concentration and meditation exercises, through which inner soul forces can be awakened within us when we practice them, forces that would otherwise remain asleep for a long time still. Here I would like expressly to stress that students should not set out on this path because of mere trust in a teacher, or perhaps out of blind veneration, for that would be entirely the opposite of what is intended. They should use their own minds and judgment in all that they do. They should not let others do their thinking for them. Rather, they should test everything including what concerns their meditations. When they are immersed in their meditations, they should not believe in any suggestive power in them, for that would be an entirely false assumption. These meditations cannot work through suggestion because they are composed in such a way that everyone, through one's own efforts, can arrive at imagination toward which the meditations are only pointing. Consider the meditation that is known to most of you, quote, in pure rays of light, close quote. What here could work in a suggestive way when the content actually does not even point to something physically real? For everyone knows while saying it that God or the divine is not to be found in the rays of external light, The exercise gives us a symbol only, as a stimulus for us to form an imaginative picture out of ourselves, while we attempt to immerse ourselves with our souls in the soul of the divine. We should always allow only our own thoughts to speak and not act blindly based on faith in a teacher. It is better when in doubt to persist until we attain to knowledge of the truth through our own work. One day we will get that far. And what is that other unavoidable experience that the human being must go through inwardly? It is unavoidable because it is the consequence of faithfully following esoteric exercise. 
It is a splitting of the personality that appears here. We will gradually feel as if something is accompanying us, something that is thinking and listening with us, and even if we are not inwardly very strong, speaking with us. This is a second I capital that comes forward, a double or doppelganger, which we have set outside of ourselves. The more seriously we are on the esoteric path, the more we set outside of ourselves our, quote, old human being, close quote, that is, like a snake, we toss away one skin after the other. These skins, speaking for comparison, become a second body, a double that never leaves us. In ancient Egypt, a human being who had set the double outside of him or herself was called a, quote, ka human being, close quote. Readers aside, ka spelled K-H-A, end of readers aside. A double is chained to ka human beings to remind them constantly of how their former life was or how it still is. This is not always a pleasant feeling. But the awareness that this double is always accompanying them reminds them of their faults so that they may improve themselves. They should constantly feel this presence, otherwise it would become dangerous. Because of all their high ideals and intentions, they would forget what their inner life and their faults actually are. Despite their striving, under certain circumstances, it could even become life-threatening for high initiates if they should forget this double for even a moment. They could actually lose the physical body through death, more or less in the same way as someone who, while deeply immersed in a difficult problem, might forget to pay attention to his or her body, and as a consequence of this inattention, were to be run over. The stronger the double appears, the better it is for our development. Otherwise we would succumb to great illusions concerning ourselves. For we are not able to see and recognize our own progress in our development, Only our teacher can do this. Let us remember the passage in the creation story where the Elohim, after they created the human being together, ascended to the sun. Only there, for the first time, could they judge their work, which we find expressed in the words, and they beheld their work, and they saw that it was good. They had attained their perfection, and for this reason, they could judge their work. End of record A. Record B. From the teachings of exoteric theosophy, we receive for practical life the knowledge that the external world is only maya, illusion, behind which is hidden the spiritual world as the world of reality. The external world, with all that happens in it, appears to esotericists increasingly like the play of waves on the surface of an ocean. They feel that they want to get to true reality, to what produces these swells and waves of external events. And thus they must descend to the place where the forces are that underlie these external happenings. They must descend into the depths to the bottom of the ocean in the soul. 
esotericists must come to a true experience of this knowledge. It must not remain mere theory. But the path to this experience is long and difficult. If we know that everything surrounding us is the world of Maya, that we live in this world of Maya and the world of reality is closed to us, then how are we to find solid ground? How are we supposed to arrive at true reality? True esotericists stand there with this question. It is as if the ground beneath their feet had been torn away from them, as if they stood before an abyss, as if they hung like a black point above this abyss. The greatest courage, the greatest fearlessness is needed here in order not to sink into this abyss that opens up there in front of one. Everything appears dark and impenetrable. Indeed, one even begins to doubt the existence of God in this world of illusion. This is a difficult time in the evolution of the soul, but it is necessary that one go through this experience. Let us ask ourselves once more why a human being must go through this. Why did the world of true reality have to be veiled from us? Why must we live in this world of Maya without being able to enter the world that lies behind this Maya? The gods have led human beings through the ages of Saturn, Sun and Moon. Then the human being was still only a spiritual being. The gods created for us the sheaths in which this spiritual being, human being, should live as an I-being. But we would never have come to our selfhood if things had continued in the same way. Therefore, we read at the beginning of the Bible that the gods created for six days and rested on the seventh day. Six days of creation, Saturn day, Sun day and Moon day, and their repetition at the start of earth evolution, the Polarian, Hyperborean and the Lemurian epochs. They worked on creating the human being. Now on the seventh day they rested. That is the age after the Lemurian age, the age of earth, our time, so that the human being can arrive at a free, independent development of the I, the human self. But for this to happen, it is necessary that for a while we not be allowed to see the world of the gods, the world of reality. And we must be thankful to those who created this world of illusion for us, whether gods or devils, those who, to begin with, cover the true world, the world of reality, the creative world of the spirit. For we could not live in the world of reality with the present-day I, or self, that is, with the self that is experienced in our personality, with this self we would perish. We would be destroyed in anxiety, fear and terror in this world of reality. When we leave this world of illusion, that is, when we fall asleep, this self which expresses itself as personality drops into unconsciousness because we are not able, at first, to endure consciously the forces and effects of the higher worlds, which we enter upon falling asleep. Our personal self or I is conscious 
only when it is immersed in the world of illusion. It must pass through this world in order to become strong and powerful, in order to consciously enter the world of reality with this acquired strength. Through meditation and concentration we gradually reach the point where we recognize that what we call our self in ordinary life also belongs to the world of illusion. And we can move from the consciousness of this self into becoming conscious of another self, which stands behind the ordinary self. With this other self we can then enter into the world of reality. The contents of meditations are always given in such a way that the soul is filled with pictures and ideas that are taken from the spiritual world. Let us consider, for example, a very simple meditation, which is relatively well known to all of you. Quote, in pure rays of light shines the divinity of the world. Close quote. When in meditation we immerse ourselves in these words, and we come to the point where we experience something like a spiritual sun in which the divinity of the world is shining, and we experience the pure rays of light as a garment, as a revelation of God shining outward, as the glory of this God. However, to really experience this vividly, it is necessary completely to forget oneself, that is, one's ordinary consciousness of self. One must also forget the words that are actually also something originating in the physical world. Then the spiritual world is gradually revealed through the power of this meditative material as a world of light. One sees in actual experience this spiritual world of light. In the further continuation of this meditative verse, one should also not think that the further words, quote, I rest in the divinity of the world, close quote, apply to one's ordinary self, or I. It is not this everyday self that experiences itself in the spiritual world, but rather the spiritual self that we are to find just through the power of this verse. For this reason the content is such that it leads us out of the world of illusion. For when we go out into the physical world, we really cannot tell from anything there that light is the garment of God and that we must seek behind this light, in this light, the being of the divinity itself. Such thoughts are not taken out of the physical world. They come from the spiritual world, and through them something can come to life in our souls that is related to the spiritual world, something that can lead our souls into the spiritual world. If students again and again allow such meditative content to work on their souls, an event occurs that we are to consider as the actual beginning of an esoteric training, as the beginning that at the same time signifies great progress. This experience is that we suddenly perceive something like a second figure next to us. We perceive a kind of doppelganger, a double next to us, that we have set outside of ourselves, so to speak. But at first, the presence of this double torments us. It is discomforting. 
This is the appearance of the, quote, division of the personality, close quote, parenthesis, compare with title, How to Know Higher Worlds, close parenthesis. Here, the higher spiritual human being is separated from the lower. From then on, this double is with us. We always feel its closeness. Indeed, it can even come to the point where we hear it speaking. And we must know that the more discomforting we feel its presence to be, the faster and more thoroughly we advance. It must be fundamentally discomforting and problematic. For it shows us again and again everything that binds us to the world of illusion through our physical being, the world of illusion whose chains we are trying to escape. Through this double we thoroughly learn to know all that we must set outside of ourselves. It shows this to us anew, again and again, all of our dishonesty, lovelessness, egotism, and all the other bad traits in us. All this comes to meet us when we experience the double. And the fact that we still carry these character traits around with us, that we have not been able to shake them, brings about the feeling of discomfort brought to us by our double. As long as we still had these bad character traits within us in our unconscious, in the ocean depths of our souls, they did not come to our consciousness with their full strength. However, as we develop spiritually and look admonishingly at these characteristics in our soul, then they torment us through their presence so that we can no longer tolerate them. Therefore, it is very good when this feeling of tormenting discomfort afflicts us, for in this way we can get rid of this double. Now the being who brings about the experience just described for the advancement of an esotericist is a luciferic being, who is, in quotes, commanded to do so for this purpose. This is Samael, aided by his swarm, Esotericists must regard his work as absolutely beneficial for their progress, so that they come to know all the character traits and vices that hinder them in their development. They should be strongly stimulated to liberate themselves from these shortcomings. Samael is the being that makes us aware of the presence of our double. The end of Record B. Record C. Exoteric theosophy leads us to put into practice the knowledge that the external world is only maya, only illusion, behind which the spiritual world, the world of reality, is hidden. The external world appears like the play of waves on the surface of the ocean. If we want to get to reality, then, we must descend to the bottom of the ocean. Esotericists, however, must get to the point where they experience this knowledge within themselves, and the path to this point is long and difficult. If we know that everything is maya, that the world of reality is veiled to us, then how are we to find solid ground? How do we get to this reality? Something comes to meet true esotericists that causes them to feel that the ground under their feet has been torn away 
as if they stood before an abyss, and the greatest courage, the greatest fearlessness is necessary, so that they do not sink into the abyss that opens here for them. When esotericists reflect deeply and earnestly, they also come to doubt the divine in this world of illusion. This is a difficult moment, but it is necessary that one go through it. Now we ask ourselves why the world of reality must be veiled from us. The gods have guided us through Saturn, Sun and Moon stages of evolution as spiritual beings. But we would not have arrived at our selfhood if things had continued in the same way. For this reason we read at the beginning of the Bible that the gods created for six days and rested on the seventh day. They created through Saturn, Sun and Moon stages and are resting now in our stage so that the human being can come to an independent development of selfhood. However, for this to happen, it is necessary that we not be able to see the world of reality. We must be thankful to those who created for us the world of illusion, whether the gods or the devil, for we could not live in the world of reality with our present-day I or self. We would perish. The I sinks into unconsciousness when we go out of the world of illusion because we cannot consciously endure the powers of the higher worlds into which we enter. Also, the I had to be immersed in this world of illusion and pass through it in order to become strong and powerful so that we can consciously enter the world of reality. Through meditation and concentration, we gradually manage to become conscious of the self. The contents of meditations are always given in such a way that the soul is filled with pictures that are not taken from the physical world only. Let us take, for example, the very simple meditation that is relatively well known to all of you. Quote, In pure rays of light shines the divinity of the world. Close quote. When we go out into the physical world, there is nothing present there that tells us that light is the garment of the divinity. Such thoughts are not taken from the physical world. They come from the spiritual world. And for this reason, something can come to life in our soul that leads our souls into the spiritual world. Now, I want to mention something during today's esoteric lesson that we should see as a first beginning of our progress in our esoteric schooling. This is the experience of suddenly perceiving another form next to our own form, a kind of doppelganger, a double that we have set outside of ourselves, so to speak, whose presence torments and discomforts us. This is the splitting of our personality, the separation of the higher human being from the lower. This double is constantly around us. We feel its closeness. And it can even reach the point where we hear it speaking. The more unpleasant we find its closeness, the more quickly we stride forward. This must be the case, so that we set outside ourselves all our dishonesty, egotism, and other bad character traits. These bad characteristics that we still carry around with us, 
that we are not yet able to shake from us cause this feeling of discomfort and unease. As long as we have them within us, we are unaware of their full strength. When the spiritual human being grows and develops, then they disturb and torment through their presence, which this spiritual human being can no longer endure. For this reason, it is very beneficial when this feeling of discomfort shows up very strongly, for this is the fastest way to get rid of the double. The being who brings about this event for the sake of an esotericist's progress is a luciferic being who has been assigned to this task. It is Samael, aided by his swarm. And esotericists must regard this work as something absolutely beneficial for their progress, so that they become aware of all those character traits and vices that hinder them in their development. Then they can strive to liberate themselves from them. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Hanover, January 1st, 1912. Record A notes from the collection of Elizabeth Freda. Record B notes from Günther Wagner. Record A. In our previous esoteric lesson, we had come to the point where through our training we set outside of ourselves what we call the doppelganger or double. Truly, It is not a pleasant feeling when we see objectively all that which until now we have harbored within, which now follows us close at our heels, step for step as a companion. We heard that it is Samael, one of the Luciferic beings, with his swarm, who brings the devil out of us. From this we see that Luciferic beings also do good things, and not always evil. If we always carried our faults unconsciously within us, we could never become aware of the destructive, ruinous force that they unfold in the body, as well as in the substance of the cosmos. Until Samael has brought forth our faults from within us, until we see them placed before us objectively as our double, God graciously keeps hidden from us the ruinous, destructive power of all our emotions, such as jealousy, hate, and envy, all together, all the passions that we send forth into the world around us. A clairvoyant can see how these passions destroy and tear down something in the body, and also in the substance of the cosmos, whereas the good activates constructive forces. Thus Samael is fundamentally a blessing for our development. He shows us our inner being all the more accurately, the more seriously we take our training in hand. Then we see ourselves objectively, with our faults of which until now we have been unaware. Now we will become increasingly disgusted by them, and they will spur us on to improve ourselves. Esoteric students will now increasingly have a second experience, which they become aware of through the feeling that they cannot get any air, as if they were suffocating. This feeling arises because the students gradually begin to pay close attention to the subtle events that occur in their souls, in particular attention to the untruths and lies that exist in every human being 
at least the possibility for them. We do not mean here the coarse lies and hypocrisies that afflict our lower natures, but the finer nuances that we do not notice because of our superficiality, those we often don't even acknowledge. An example of this follows. Let us assume a man discovers that a theosophical lecture is to be held. He thinks this is something good, he will travel there. But at the same time he thinks that he will meet this or that person there with whom he would like to be together. Nevertheless, he convinces himself that this is not the main reason and imagines that he is traveling there because of the lecture. Such things happen daily. We lie to ourselves and do not notice it or do not want to notice it. But it is precisely these untruths, which we have not noticed until now, that will reach our consciousness in numerous cases, so that we believe that we are suffocating on them. Another example will show us how much we live only on the surface in all our actions. Bracket, there follows the example of the teachers who were to be tested a second time and who did not know what was to be found in the textbooks that they used on a daily basis. Close bracket. And this superficiality spreads out over our entire soul life so that we do not even recognize the untruths that we tell ourselves. At the beginning of our exercises, we may perhaps not notice any progress. From all sides, thoughts about everyday concerns will stream toward us. It will take a long time before we notice any success from our exercises. And it will also be a long time until a second being called Azazel can, with his influence, begin to bring us to deeper knowledge, that is, to make us aware of our superficiality. Both Samael and Azazel must reveal to us something from within ourselves. But a third being, Azael, must also bring something to us. He must bring us a longing for the higher spiritual life. The next example shows us what is intended. A scientist who is filled with the desire for knowledge and who would like to acquire more and more knowledge suddenly finds himself at the limits of his knowledge and cannot push any further with his intellect. In most cases, he will say that his intellect, or human intellect altogether, is no longer sufficient, and he will resign himself to this. Others, however, who feel their souls to be a bit more alive will seek further and will be led to theosophy or spiritual science. There they will feel they can research further, even beyond the limits that materialistic science placed before them. However, as soon as they follow the esoteric path, they will feel themselves confronted by an unpleasant situation. They will have a feeling a sensation that could be expressed as the feeling of being drowned. You see, as we penetrate ever deeper into esotericism, the limits extend farther and farther until we come to a point where everything moves away from us, where we stand at an abyss. We no longer feel a foothold anywhere. Everything disappears beneath our feet. Only by courageously pushing onward on the path we have begun will the knowledge dawn on us that maya must first fall away before we can recognize the spiritual world, which is the truth. Azael brings us this knowledge. He preserves the human being from spiritually drowning, apathy.
Now, there is a fourth being, Mehazael. He makes us aware of and awakens in us a feeling for the fact that we are bound to space and time. The best way to clarify this is to call to mind a condition that many of us have already gone through in life. That is when we awaken in the morning and feel ourselves burdened by the duties and cares that the new day brings with it. Many will know this feeling, which is accompanied by the sa- at the same time by the desire to shake loose the chains that have bound us to these burdens, which are so much heavier to carry because of our knowledge that we are powerless against them, that we must bow to them. Here Mehazael shows us our karma. However, as soon as we begin on the esoteric path, we will be able to carry these burdens more easily. Mahazael shows them to us so that we do not uselessly balk at them, for doing so would only worsen our karma instead of shaking it loose from us. Thus these four luciferic beings are in the end a blessing for us. We have seen that every time we do not control our passions, when we let our anger and hate run wild, we are destroying something within ourselves. We are transforming it into earthly dust in ourselves, as well as in the cosmic substance into which our feelings, sensations and thoughts are constantly flowing. In doing so, we not only harm ourselves, but also create karma for the world around us. Until now, in the esoteric lessons, we have studied karma only theoretically. Now we will see how much deeper and more complicated is the working of karma. In order for us to become completely aware of the work of these four beings in us, we must energetically continue our meditations. We should meditate not only on the meditations and esoteric verses that have been given to us, as for example the meditation on the Rose Cross, we should also attempt to meditate on feeling and sensations, which is much more difficult. For example, let us meditate on sympathy. Let us immerse ourselves completely in this feeling, and warmth will flow through us. The meditation on antipathy will activate a cold feeling in us. If we, for example, first meditate on the Rose Cross and then on a strong will impulse, meditate on a good deed, then we will see inner light together with a stream of warmth. All our meditations do not at first meet with success. With one it may go more slowly, with another more quickly, according to our karma and our evolution. Some will achieve success after fifty times, and others will need an entire lifetime. But we should wait with patience and courageously move forward. Where did the sun get its power to shine every morning in the same place, so that its light rays forth? The life of an esotericist should become entirely different than it was before. Esotericists actually lead two lives, one that is gradually crumbling apart, dying out, and the other that gives them light from the spirit from which they came. In the ancient mysteries, the wise masters expressed the course of human life, that is, the death of the old human being through the spirit of Christ, in these words. Ex Deo Nasimer, 
and because the name of Christ was too sacred to them to speak it forth, in moremur, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. The end of record A. Record B. Yesterday in our esoteric lesson we saw how through proper meditation and concentration esotericists must manage consciously to develop themselves through the world of illusion up to the reality of the spiritual world. And good Luciferic beings whose leader is Samael help along the way. Now there are, however, more such beings and here we are first to consider Azazel with his swarm. Human beings usually possess more dishonesty and disingenuity than they realize. I see many now who will say, quote, I no longer have any dishonesty in me. I have set that aside completely. Close quote. But this dishonesty is so refined that we usually do not become aware of it at all. This becomes clear from the following example, going to a theosophical lecture with other motives in brackets. All this dishonesty brings us to the attention of Azazel and his swarms. And when we feel that we are being pinched with a vice, tormented by a thousand arms, then we should reflect upon how deeply we are still entangled with lies and dishonesty. A third being who approaches an esotericist is Azael. He too can call forth an oppressive feeling, a pressure similar to nightmares, and also a choking, scratching feeling in the throat. Again, we should clarify to ourselves any bad character traits we still have to set aside, even indifference toward world events. An esotericist should not be indifferent with respect to what is going on in the world. Most people are so entangled in egotism that they are indifferent to everything happening around them. For this reason, the masses are indifferent to theosophy. Furthermore, some esotericists feel disgust upon awakening for the situation in which their karma has placed them. They feel as if they are chained to the ground with iron chains. Mahazael, with his swarms, caused this Esotericists must pay attention to all these occurrences so that they can become aware of the faults that still live in them and strive to gradually overcome them. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin on January 6, 1912. Manuscript from Louis Classon. By advancing further on the esoteric path through meditation and concentration, we come to know our own doppelganger, or double, to which we are chained. We experience within ourselves a feeling of isolation or solitude with respect to the world, indeed with respect to our loves. This feeling gives us strength and we should cultivate it. Yet another feeling we should practice is the feeling of gratitude toward spiritual beings. In the meditation, quote, in pure rays of light shines the divinity of the world. The third thing is maintaining silence concerning the meditations given to us and concerning everything esoteric. Refraining from speaking awakens powers. Chattering weakens the etheric body. Altogether, 
it is a weakness of the etheric body. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin on January 7, 1912. Record A, notes from Günther Wagner. Record B, manuscript from Camilla Vandri. Record C, manuscript from Rudolf Meyer. Record A. Invocation of the Spirit of the Day, Sunday. In the last lesson we discussed how human beings carry a being around with them, the double, how they are connected to the double, and how the Luciferic spirit, Samael, brings about this division in human beings and makes us aware of it. Through the cravings and passions in which we indulged in the past and which are attached to the double, it can happen that this double wants us to lose control so that we go wild with rage or some other passion. This does not usually amount to much in the average person. However, this should never happen to esotericists because they should watch themselves much more closely. The feeling and instinctive life of esotericists become entirely different. One should not think that esotericists should become loveless and indifferent. Especially love should become much deeper and be raised to a higher level. An esotericist should become more willing to sacrifice and more selfless. An esoteric training that teaches the death of love and of compassion is entirely on a false path. Especially through the change in our feeling life, we acquire a more sublime feeling for the beauty of the world and also for art. Neither should we mourn emotional losses, nor say, quote, I cannot resist myself, close quote, but rather in such despairing moments we should say again and again, quote, patience, be strong, close quote. This is also true when we think we have not advanced, just because we haven't any experiences in higher worlds. Our aim in esoteric training should be isolation or solitude for the soul. This must remain the fundamental attitude or mood of the soul. It should not be disturbed by anything, even by our dearest people. The gates of the spiritual world open for us through solitude. This is a precondition for the pure spiritual life. However, this does not mean that we intentionally seek isolation and thereby escape the duties we have in the world. Rather, we are to allow this feeling of solitude and isolation to awaken in the soul. Furthermore, we should not silence it with foolish thoughts and so forth. Another important requirement is that we not change our meditations very often. The best is to carry out an exercise through an entire lifetime, but properly, indeed, so that new impulses are constantly awakened in us because we immerse ourselves ever more deeply into the meditation. For example, in this meditation, quote, in pure rays of light shines the divinity of the world, close quote, we should not only imagine rays of light radiating outward, which symbolize the divine, but also the forces and power of the divine that take possession of our inner life and then feel within ourselves gratitude so perfect that it should be carried out into the cosmos. We should swim in the feeling of thankfulness and feel ourselves unified with the divine. 
Often we can hold on to this feeling for no more than a few seconds, but with continued practice we can do it for much longer. Often we are called back to reality again by a ringing tone, but this exercise leaves in us a feeling of commonality, a feeling that we exist within God, with humanity, a feeling entirely opposite to the feeling of isolation. Talkativeness does a great deal of damage. What a student reveals of his or her esoteric exercises is lost to that student. We should be clear about this. It always signifies a weakening of the etheric body. People with weak etheric bodies are always talkative. Therefore, it is demanded of us that we enclose our inner life and keep it secret. At most, we can enrich our esoteric life in small circles of friends who are on the same spiritual step by discussing esoteric communications and truths. But there is a precondition. The proper mood must be present in all those present. The forces and the strength that allow us to advance grow through our refraining from speaking. Quote, in the spirit lay the seed of my body, close quote, end of record A. Record B. It can happen that the double, using the desires and passions that we instinctively indulged in the past and that are now attached to the double, wants us to lose control so that we lose ourselves, whether through rage, hate and lovelessness, envy or other explosive passions. This does not usually amount to much in the average person. However, it should not happen to esotericists that they follow such explosive passions. They must watch over themselves much more closely. The feeling and instinctive life of esotericists must become very different from that of the average person. Nothing should happen with an esotericist merely out of instincts, without having it in hand, so to speak. It should gradually become impossible for one's double to cause one to lose control through what the double wants. Esotericists must become the master of the double. The servant must not be greater than the Lord. The impulses that reigned over them previously are now reigned over by the esotericists from their higher I consciousness. Now we must not think that these people thereby become loveless and indifferent with respect to the world around them. Especially the ability to love, true love, is raised to a higher stage when the student arrives at this step. It loses the egotistical character that love always has in the average person. It becomes more willing to sacrifice, more selfless. Parentheses, Rosicrucian mystery, scenes 9 and 10, after, quote, O man, experience yourself, quote, close quote, thus, after Johannes had acquired consciousness of his higher self, Theodosius, the bearer of cosmic world love, approaches Johannes, who says, quote, quote, I will reveal your being in my deeds. They should bring healing salvation through you, close quote, Close parenthesis. An esoteric school that teaches students to kill love and compassion is entirely on a false path. 
We are not dealing with mortification here, but with a transformation in full consciousness. Esotericists must penetrate with their clear consciousness all that is involuntary or instinctive in their souls. It must be an entirely conscious decision whether a person decides to love or not in any particular situation. It is precisely through transforming our feeling life in this way, out of our higher I consciousness, that we acquire a more sublime feeling for the beauty that weaves through the world. This is the beauty that originates in the love that stands behind the world and which makes true art possible. On this step, esoteric students learn to stop complaining about the poverty of their soul life, about that which can appear as psychological loss. And when the double threatens to become strong, students are allowed even less to say, quote, I cannot oppose myself, close quote. Even in moments of despair, they must always say, quote, patience, be strong, close quote. The same is true when we believe that we have had no experiences in the spiritual world and therefore are making no progress. What is to be achieved in esoteric training is this, that the soul becomes inwardly entirely self-sustaining. Parenthesis Johannes in scene 9, quote, I feel the being of the world in me, close quote. Quote, I rest in myself. Close quote. quote again, I have the first confidence of a human being. I have achieved certainty of being. Close quote. Close parenthesis. This can be achieved only through solitude of the soul. This must remain the basic mood of the soul, even in the presence of our most beloved people. The gates of the spiritual world open only through the lonely solitude of the soul. Only in this way is the condition present for a pure spiritual life. But although this loneliness of the soul is a condition of the soul, students should not intentionally seek external solitude or withdraw themselves from the responsibilities that they have in the world. This is not what is intended. One should allow the feeling of aloneness to grow in the soul as a force and not force oneself to be quiet because of some foolish thoughts. Everything depends upon strength from the solitude of being entirely dependent upon oneself only. A very important demand placed upon esoteric students is this. Do not wish to change your meditations so often. It is best to keep a meditation for one's whole life, but to carry it out properly. This brings it about that new impulses are awakened in us through them because we gradually draw up onto ourselves the forces that are contained in them in order to make them into forces in our soul. For example, in the meditation, quote, in pure rays of light shines the divinity of the world, close quote. Here we should not only imagine the rays of light streaming outward, the rays that symbolize divine forces which take hold of our inner life, and then feel within ourselves the most perfect gratitude, which then is carried out into the cosmos, we should also feel ourselves swimming in and at one with God. Often we can hold this feeling only for seconds. 
but with continued exercise the feeling will last much longer. This exercise leaves behind in the soul a feeling of commonality, a being at one with God, in God, and with humanity. This creates a tremendously strong force in the soul that is a complete contradiction to the feeling of loneliness. Much damage is done through talkativeness. Students should constantly remember that the results of their esoteric exercises, if revealed through talking about them, is lost to the student. We should be very clear about this. It always signifies a weakening of the etheric body. For this reason, it is a demand put on us that we close off our inner life as a secret. At most, we should enrich our esoteric life in small circles of friends who are at the same spiritual stage by discussing esoteric communications and truths. There is a basic precondition. There must be a proper mood in all those present. We must know that the forces of strength that bring us forward lie in silence. The end of record B, record C. There are three feelings that an esotericist should develop in particular. Number one, feeling of solitude. In ordinary life it is usual for us to experience a longing for the people we like. Developing a feeling of solitude does not mean becoming insensitive or indifferent toward the external world. However, we should also be able to distance ourselves from what we like, from what we are dependent on. We should remain in our solitude and become very fond of this solitude. Number two, over and against this, we should develop a second feeling. There are people who think that they are advancing quite rapidly when they change their meditations very frequently. Exactly the opposite is the case. For most people, it is the most advantageous to stay with the same exercises, assuming, of course, that the meditations speak to them with increasing depth and intensity. For example, in the meditation, quote, in pure rays, close quote, it is not sufficient simply to imagine the light in which the Godhead works, but rather one must at the same time develop a feeling of gratitude, the warmth of thankfulness and enthusiasm must fill us. It must seem to us that we are swimming in a sea of gratitude. Just as we earlier concentrated on ourselves and developed a feeling of lonely solitude, now we should pour ourselves into the universe and feel ourselves connected with all human beings. Number three. And then there is a third feeling that we must acquire in our esoteric life the feeling for remaining silent at the right moment in time. This does not mean that we display a secretive attitude. We can, of course, speak about our exercises with other esotericists. However, there is, among other traits that hinder development, the one called talkativeness. All esotericists should break the habit of entrusting just anyone and everyone with a new experience just as soon as they have had it. Such talk destroys precisely the forces that have grown in one's etheric body. Tension arises in those who, as soon as they experience something new, cannot keep it to themselves. 
This tension is dissipated only when they have gotten rid of it by passing it on to other people. Tension arises in esotericists too. The more we keep the secrets entrusted to us, the more forces we thereby collect in the etheric body. We are not alienated from all that is beautiful, good and true. On the contrary, we get a more refined understanding for art. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin, January 10th, 1912. Record A, manuscript from Barbara Wolf. Record B, manuscript from Alice Kinkle. Record A. Through our esoteric exercises, we want to concentrate completely upon a thought. To afterward allow an emptiness to enter us and then wait to see what flows to us as a result of our meditation. What we achieve depends upon the strength of the perseverance we then employ. One might think that by changing meditations one would advance faster than one would by staying for a long time with the same meditation. But the deepest esotericists have always asserted that they have advanced the most by doing the same exercises with great patience and perseverance for years. It can happen that we have an opportunity only once in our lifetime to meet with someone who gives us a spiritual exercise and that we never see this person again on this earth. However, if karma is favorable and if the exercise is done properly, it can be sufficient for a lifetime and be fruitful until one finds the teacher in the spiritual world. Esotericists will notice that when they expend energy on their inner development, certain flawed traits that they had earlier emerge more sharply. Among these traits belongs, for example, an exaggerated criticism of other people. All human beings criticize. Esotericists, however, should be aware of where this desire to lash out at others originates. Through spiritual exercises, we strengthen our feeling for the self, sense of the I, our egohood. And this criticism represents our desire to assert ourselves over others, a need to separate ourselves. Esotericists lose interest in many external things to which they paid much attention in the past. This goes so far that many esotericists have the feeling that they can no longer see as well as they did in the past. Most often complain of the loss of their good memory. From the last esoteric lessons we have learned that this lack of attention for the world around us is a fault. It can happen that we do not carry out our meditations intensively enough to fill the inner emptiness with spiritual content. The emptiness that we can no longer fill with our earlier interests. In this way we would get a stressed feeling, a driving restlessness, the need to fill our inner emptiness with something from outside. Then we fall all too easily into the temptation to criticize what is outside of us. In a way this criticism is understandable and justified because after we first closed ourselves off from the outer world, 
and then again exit out of ourselves, we would like to assert ourselves over and against the world. Egotism lies in this, however, and it must be suppressed, just as the desire to criticize must be suppressed. When we achieve this, the forces that we would otherwise have wasted are turned inward and fructify our soul life. The need to separate oneself from the world is entirely justified for esotericists, for they can make progress only in solitude. For most people the feeling of lonely solitude is unbearable. An esotericist, however, should gradually acquire the ability to endure loneliness. In this way, the esoteric life is greatly furthered. People who have a longing to go outward into society dissipate their forces in this desire. It is as if this longing were thrown from them in all directions out into the space around them. They should rather see to it that these forces are gathered within, bend them inward, so to speak. They will thereby have achieved much. And there's a diagram. There is another apparently opposite attitude esotericists must also develop. It is opposite to the first only in the sense that the right side of a pendulum swing is the opposite of the left side. One results from the other, and yet they are exactly opposite to each other. Thus it is necessary for esotericists to bring two character traits or attitudes into balance with one another like pendulum swings. First of all is the ability to endure lonely solitude, that is, strengthening the sense of self, of ego. And secondly, complete devotion up to the limits of self-surrender, of self-forgetting, in order to fulfill the demands of duty that come to us from outside. When we have reached the point where our hearts thirst after solitude in the midst of our environment, where the world surrounding us actually pains us and we suffer from it, and yet, nevertheless, we bring to the surrounding world a fully devoted love, then we have the union of the two apparently contradictory attitudes. A third character trait that we should practice is the habit of remaining silent about our esoteric experiences. With undeveloped human beings, the need to keep a secret feels to them like they are about to burst, and the opportunity to really speak out is a great relief for them. Esotericists, however, should reflect on the fact that this power that threatens to shatter us would become a strength if we could just save it up within ourselves. Therefore, we read, quote, learn to keep silent and power will come to you, close quote. This is the power to rule in our own souls. An esoteric researcher can perceive clearly the change, the influx of forces that enters the soul of a person who must suppress the vocal expression of a secret for any reason. A woman, for example, may have something in her soul that she would like to share with a friend. While hurrying to him, she meets another acquaintance at the door who is also coming to visit him, but she cannot nor does she want to share it with the acquaintance. Then it is too late to go to the friend, 
and therefore she must suppress the secret. An esotericist can see that a power has developed in the woman to whom this has happened, a power that was not present before and that also would not have developed if she had been able to fulfill her wish and actually told her secret. For an esotericist, the saying does not hold, quote, those whose hearts are full, words flow from their mouth, close quote. For those who are not esotericists, it can sometimes be good and appropriate for them to express their opinions, but not for esotericists. By outwardly sharing their innermost thoughts and feelings, they discharge forces into the world that would have been necessary for their souls. Every time we are in a position to keep quiet about our thoughts and feelings, especially those related to our esoteric experiences and difficulties, we acquire a power in our souls that cannot be lost to us. However, concerning things of general human interest, concerning what can be useful to people, about this we should speak, and not just about our own internal concerns. Where does this need to impart come from, anyway? We seldom have the need to go to other people because we love them disinterestedly. Usually we go to them because they have qualities that are important to us. They give us something. We should also drop the wish to be carried by the hands of other people. On the contrary, we should be grateful to those who treat us badly because they give us an opportunity to exercise our strength to patiently endure. Then we should, nevertheless, try to feel love toward them. We will then soon enough notice that it is the right thing to do. Something else that an esotericist should stop doing is complaining. What do we complain about? Usually about the fact that when we begin our meditations, thoughts storm in toward us from all sides. But we should be thankful for this, and regard it as progress that we are noticing what a reality the world of thought actually is, that it can assert itself so powerfully. We only need to apply our strength against it, for in this way our powers increase. We should listen to these thoughts to find out how they do it. We should see them as paragons, showing how we can concentrate. We should use them as examples and tell ourselves that we should immerse ourselves in our meditations with the same intensity. Then we will attract spiritual forces that can support us. It would be a very easy meditation if angels or any other spiritual beings would come and sweep away the undesired thoughts before we started. If esotericists have overcome all these traits and also learned to practice silence in proper measure, then they will arrive at something that mystics have always called, quote, the gate of death, close quote. It is called this because through their silence, and through mastery of their character traits, they have come so far that they find themselves in the same condition as a human being who stands before death, in whom all interest has turned away from the external world. They have turned within or toward the divine spiritual world. 
That is what is intended in the second part of our Rosicrucian verse in Christo Morimur. We die in Christ by transforming ourselves completely and turning again to the spiritual world. Ex Deo Nasimur We are born out of God and must incarnate in the physical world. It is our task to develop ourselves forward so that we can say in Christo Morimur. We turn away from all that is physical and raise ourselves to the spiritual, which has always been called the Holy Spirit, and are then born anew in Him, per spiritum sanctum levivissimus. And the verse that the masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings have given us is like an interpretation of this, quote, in the spirit lay the seed of my body, close quote, end of record A. Record B. Esotericists must get used to enduring certain feelings and doing certain things and leave other things undone, things that those who are not esotericists do not have to be concerned about. Among them, number one, the feeling of lonely solitude. Esotericists must learn to endure this. They must become sufficient unto themselves and be able to live with what rises up in their own souls without feeling unhappy in this loneliness. What will appear first is that one will see everything entirely differently. Interests will change completely. Number two, the second is devotion, which an esotericist must develop. Number three, the third is maintaining silence in the face of the desire to engage in casual conversation. Through these three things, an esotericist experiences the truth, quote, I have arrived at the gate of death, close quote. Many students complain about the flood of thoughts in, into the soul during meditation. We should be thankful that we can have the realization that thoughts are realities that are stronger than we are. We should not complain, but rather rejoice when thoughts show themselves in this way. They reveal themselves as forces of soul. Through remaining silent, we develop certain forces in the soul. Criticizing and expressing that criticism presupposes a very specific quality in the soul. That in our ego, our selfhood, we want to assert that we are ahead of others in some way. If we are able to store up many such soul experiences without talking about them, then we will come to a very specific point in our development known to every esotericist and characterized in all mystical writings as, quote, having arrived at the gate of death, close quote. Devotion. How is it practiced? We can thirst after solitude and yet in every moment be prepared to devote ourselves to others in love for the sake of other people and their endearing traits. People usually seek out others because of egotism. They get something from the others. The others have qualities that please them. They seek the presence of others, not for the sake of the others, but for their own sake. Devotion to an inner experience must be so powerful that we forget ourselves completely give ourselves to what rises up in the soul, 
so that we can objectively see the power. At first the egotism of esotericists becomes greater. They strive for separation, alienation from other people. When we feel the longing for people rising within us, then we must tell ourselves that through this longing useless forces are dissipated into the world, forces that we can make good use of within. It is the same with talkativeness. Forces are consumed uselessly. We should remain silent about the things that interest us within, the things that interest us subjectively. The power that would otherwise be used up is then turned inward and gives an esotericist great strength. On the one hand, we must make the ego, the integral self, stronger. On the other, we must forget ourselves. Esotericists should move their meditations into the center of their consciousness with the will, not by using the memory, and so forth. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Zurich on January 16, 1912. Anonymous notes from a notebook of Günther Schubert. When human beings behave in ways that are not in keeping with world evolution, they disturb the order of the world. These disturbances must be compensated for by certain beings. When a human being is, in quotes, out of himself or, in quotes, out of herself, then a certain kind of luciferic being must compensate for this disturbance. The being is called Samaya. People feel themselves as if they were two. It seems to them as if a second person were walking alongside them. This second person occasionally says things that one would have said years before, but now in the present time these things seem foreign. People have a vision of a form similar to a human figure. When human beings lie or are dishonest with themselves, parenthesis, for example, a man who thinks he has come to Zurich only for lectures, but in reality he has come because he wanted to visit a certain person who also has come, close parenthesis, then the spirit Azazel must compensate for this disturbance in world evolution. If human beings do not engage in the world around them, are not interested and pay no attention to the things around them, then the spirit Azael must compensate for this disturbance. The effect that human beings feel because of this inattention expresses itself in a feeling of drowning, drowning in a spiritual ocean upon awakening or falling asleep. They have a vision of a form similar to a lion. If human beings have no faith in karma, if they do not surrender themselves to their karma, if they do not accept with devotion and courage something they encounter that is horrible and burdensome, if they do not accept it as right and despite the pain courageously take it upon themselves, then the spirit of Mahazael must bring this disturbance back into harmony with the world order. Human beings feel as if they were bound to the earth, as if chained to the earth, and in vision they see a form similar to a bull. Even if our lives are an indecipherable, confused maya, nevertheless, we must not forget 
that we are born out of a divine ground of existence. That's the end of that esoteric lesson and the end of part six of the reading.